Mercy and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. If Jesus was dead, like the women knew him to be, they should have just slept in. Why the urgency? Do you ever think about it like that? You've read this text how many times in your life? Why the urgency? He's dead. That's what they believed. Anointing his body wasn't going to bring it back. They were doing it for themselves. They wanted to make themselves feel better. That they honored him. Because by the law they could not. They were doing it because they loved him. But haste or no haste, if Christ isn't risen from the dead already, these poor women should have been the most to be pitied because they with urgency went to a grave to find a dead body. And like them, if you believe it's still a possibility that Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, you could have slept in too. You didn't need to be here at 9 a.m. Or did you get here early just to please your mom or your dad? Or maybe just me, your pastor? If that's the case, you know another week, another month, or another year would have been just fine the same. It wouldn't have made a difference. It wouldn't have mattered because Jesus is dead. And if Jesus is dead, you're dead. So am I. And there's no hope, and we all should have just slept in today. But those women who raised so early in the morning to the tomb, they are not dead. The prophets who foretold of Jesus' death and resurrection are not dead. And the apostles that lived with him are not dead. They are not dead because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. But no amount of our love or devotion, no amount of our honor or care will be able to open the tomb and raise one from the dead. That we know for certain. The love that we have for one in this life changes to overwhelming grief when they die. And it causes us to do things that we might not think through. We seek ways to honor them with our words, to share comfort for the family and the friends. We come to funerals knowing that we have nothing to offer to help them. We can't really restore their loved ones to health. They're dead. We cannot now open their graves and we cannot raise them back to life. We're powerless. These things are beyond our control. No matter how much we love them, we cannot bring them back to life. And after all the bitter tears have flowed and we have tasted the salt upon our lips and we've shared the stories over lunch, we've laughed and we've had our day of celebrating their life, when those moments are done and we give our hugs goodbye, what are we left to face with? We're left to face death. We still have to recognize that someone has died. While one is yet living, we still hold out hope that something can be done, that things can change. But when death shows up, it teaches us just how truly helpless we are and how much is really out of our control. You see, the devotion of the women, the prophets, the apostles was surely great, but it wasn't enough to keep Christ from being crucified. 
It wasn't enough to open the sealed tomb. It wasn't enough to raise Jesus from the dead. Once the grave had closed, it was closed. So why are we here? We're gathered here today because God opened the tomb. God burst forth from the dead and opened the tomb to reveal that Christ was no longer there. Your devotion to God had nothing to do with it. None of it. Your devotion to God is nothing without forgiveness and the grace of God, the power of God, which opens the tomb. You cannot hold back the gates of death, nor can you open the gates of death once they are closed. That is what God does. Last night in the Easter Vigil, we heard this prophecy from Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel is told to prophesy to this valley of dry bones. And as he sees them laying there, the Lord asks him, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, basically, you'll know, you know God. And so the Lord tells him to prophesy to the bones. Seemingly a pointless task, right? To speak words to dead, dry bones. But Ezekiel does it. And they start to rattle and come together and sinews are attached and the flesh is put back on. But the people aren't yet breathing, although there stands before Ezekiel an exceedingly great army. And the Lord says, prophesy to the breath, and he does it. And the breath comes back in and they live. The Lord says this valley of dry bones is like the house of Israel. They have been cut off and their hope was lost. But was it? Hope in the Lord, God says. Hope in the Lord. Because the Lord is able to make an army out of dry bones. The Lord is able to raise the dead. The Lord is able to open the tombs. And he said he would do it. In the end of that reading, God says, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. Unless God opens the graves, we are hopeless Unless God puts his spirit within us, we are lifeless and dead in our sins and trespasses. But that's why you came today. Because of what God did do. God did die on the cross. Christ is the crucified. And he is the risen. Christ is the victor today. And he burst forth from the tomb, the firstborn from the dead. He comes out as Christ the crucified. And that's important, for it is his death that has brought the victory over death. It is hell and death that should be thrown in an uproar, that should be so mad because they cannot hold on to Christ. And that means that death and hell cannot hold on to us. They must give up their dead. Christ is the hope of all the living It was Christ's death that broke the tombs. 
And it was after his resurrection that even that moment, there were saints that came out from their graves, a foretaste of the resurrection of all the dead. And the saints went into Jerusalem and visited with their family and friends. You could preach every year how great of a person Jesus was. But if he's not actually sinless, if he's not the Passover lamb, if he's not the one who has shed his blood and called the crucified one, if he is not risen from the dead, there is no comfort for you. There is no comfort for your loved ones. If Jesus is dead, we should have just all slept in. But that's why the angels teach the women that the real question that they should have been asking isn't who will roll away the stone, but has Christ been risen from the dead? God will open the graves of his people. That is our hope. That's why we gather here every Sunday. That is why we gather here for funerals in the church. Because we confess that Christ the crucified has done away with our sin and has opened the grave, has made the heavens open for us. Because since Christ has risen from the dead, we can be sure that the sacrifice which he made for our sins was fully has appeased the wrath of God. It was accepted. He was raised for our justification. That means he was raised for our forgiveness. That we have the declaration of peace with God the Father. We are the children of God now. It means that the prophets aren't dead. Nor did those women die. Nor the apostles or any of our loved ones that have been buried in the Lord. They are not dead. They live with Christ. Their bodies are asleep, awaiting the day of the resurrection. For Jesus' words are true. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Do you believe it? God didn't turn away those grieving women. He gave them a messenger who would turn their grief into joy. God is not going to turn you away either. He's not. He sends you a messenger to turn your grief into joy. So what have you run to church with this morning? What sin still leaves you feeling hopeless and cut off? like the valley of dry bones? Has your devotion to God been wavering? Has it completely failed? Have you been angry with your brother? Have you fallen again and again? Have you not taken seriously the commandments of God? Or maybe, maybe it's your mortality. You've come close to death, or you've watched others come so near to death and not recover that you've felt like you have died. And you're wondering when you're going to have to face it. 
Whatever it may be, this is the truth. Jesus is risen, the crucified one. He is risen, alive, never to die again. And as surely as he is alive, his death is now your life. Your sins are atoned for. He was condemned on the cross for your sins so that you would be able to raise your head high and say, I am forgiven in Christ. So that you would be able to break through the bars of death and overcome death with life. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Those women raced to the tomb with such urgency, but God gave them something even more urgent to return to the disciples and tell them that message that Christ the crucified has been raised from the dead. The whole church on earth now has the reason to even more fully devote themselves to the preaching and teachings of Christ. For he had not only made the promises to be the sacrificial lamb, but he fulfilled those promises. His blood was spilled, and his blood is now over the doorposts of our hearts. And faith looks at it. Whenever you are doubting, whenever you feel hopeless, whenever you are dead in your sins and trespasses, faith looks at the blood of Jesus. And that makes all the difference. Because the blood that has covered you, the blood that has been spilled and has now been made your own, is the blood that gives you life. It is the forgiveness of your sins, and it is the hope of the resurrection. You are called to come to church. Whoever called you this week or whatever way you found yourselves into this place, God is not going to turn you away. You come to church, offer to God the sacrifice of thanksgiving. A broken and contrite heart he will not despise. You are called to pick up the cup of salvation, and in this most precious thing, you receive the gift of life. You are called to open your ears, to hear his word, to meditate upon it day and night. You confess the sins which you have committed and you receive the word of absolution. You pray to the Holy Spirit to amend your sinful ways. You ask for God's help to amend your ways, to be conformed to the image of Christ. You sing his praise. You place your offerings into the plate And you have given in support of his work here and around the world. The Lord delights in all of these things. All of these signs of your devotion, your confidence, your love. The Lord delights in all of them. The Lord loves this. The Lord loves you. But it's why we are here that makes the difference. The women's hearts were changed that morning. Though they had devotion, their devotion wasn't going to raise Christ from the dead. Which is why when they came to that tomb, it wasn't just empty. But they were greeted by the angel. 
God doesn't just leave you into an empty church. He leads you to where you can hear the proclamation of your sins forgiven. Where you can be reassured of your life in Christ. When you can be helped through all of your struggles. The Lord knows why you came to the grave. Why you came to this church. And he meets you here. Not to fill you with more fear, but to replace your fear with peace, your hopelessness with hope, your sins with forgiveness, your dying with life. He meets you here to hide you in the shadow of his wings and to give you the promise to raise your body into everlasting life. That's why he died for you. And as surely as he did not stay dead, but rose bodily from the grave, so too does that promise ring true for you and for all your loved ones that you have laid to rest in the arms of Christ. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.